before we start the show, we would like to thank our sponsors for 2024 Beef, Beef Master Education Endowment Fund. Uh, thank you for what you do for the breed and thank you for supporting our show. SEBA, the Southeastern Beef Master Breeders Association. Uh, don't miss their convention and sale every August. Thank you for supporting the show. Emmons Ranch Beef Masters, Mr. Steve and Mrs. Cindy. They need no introduction. They always breed great cattle and we just appreciate what you guys do and thank you for supporting us. CNM Ranches out of Kershaw, South Carolina, the Chick family. Be on the lookout for their sale starting in 2025. Thank you for supporting the show. Lissy's Beefmasters is another one that doesn't need any introduction. We appreciate what you do for uh, the breed and for our show. Cottage Farms Beefmasters, they have a sale with Clark Jones every year in June. Uh, thank you for supporting our show. Sea Shepherd Beefmasters, thank you for supporting the show out there in Texas. And Jones Beefmasters, uh, last but certainly not least, sell every June. They sell throughout the year. Mr. Clark, thank you for what you do for the breed. Uh, every day and thank you for what you do for our show. JCS Beefmasters, Jared and Kelly Strickland out of Savannah, Tennessee. Always raising great stock. Uh, thank you for what you do for the show and be on the lookout for their cattle and coming sales this year. Lastly, GNM Cattle Company out of Taylorsville, North Carolina. Family owned and operated. Uh, will be in multiple sales this year as well. Thank you to all of our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. Welcome to Beefmaster Banner. We're your hosts, Josh Morrison and Jared Strickland. How's it going, Jared? That's going good, man. Great getting ready for this. I'm hoping for some spring grass here for long. Oh, man. Getting nice. edge for this warm weather. <laughs> it's raining here again tonight. So, uh, or today, I think they're supposed to rain pretty much all weekend. So, I hope uh, it's set a, setting us up good for some early spring grass. I, I can't wait to see it. I'm about, uh, I think these cows would rather eat it than that. Hey. Oh yes, yeah. yeah we we were running in a pretty good drought there for a while, but we're catching up now with the last few weeks of rain. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, tonight we've got uh, Mr. Steve and Mrs. Cindy Emmons of Emmons Beef Masters. I, they need absolutely no introduction. How are y'all doing? Good. We're great. Before we get started, I want to say thank you for sponsoring the show. Uh, you guys have been wonderful doing that for us over the last year. Getting ready to be two. Uh, it's much appreciated and thank you for taking time out of your evening to come on come on with us again well thank y'all for promoting beef masters that that means a whole lot to the entire breed thank you we sure enjoy it it's fun it becomes sometimes becomes a job thinking of different subjects but it's it's enjoyable when we get on here and talk to everyone and uh everybody seems to enjoy it and i know we had a really good um response on your uh first episode last year so we wanted to have you back on and talk a little bit different tonight about um bull selection everyone knows you all are known for your good quality bulls always have a real deep sale um i guess if y'all are good with it we'll jump right in what let's just start at the very beginning what goes into choosing a mating or, or what do y'all put into choosing a mating um, well, we have learned over the years that every beef master cow cannot make a, uh, a herd sire. Let's kind of put it that way. Um, only certain females 
seem to have that attribute. So over the years, we have tried to call our herd to females that will produce bulls. In a normal situation, you're basically going to get half heifers and half bull calves in your calf crop. Sometimes we feel like we get more like 80% bulls um, and 20% females. But anyway, even if that is the case, if you have females that will produce bulls, then you'll still be in good shape. Um, whether you AI your herd or natural service your herd, if your cows can't make bulls, you're in a world of hurt because that's half your income from your herd or those bulls. So AI is a, a great tool and it's something that um, we need to use. But if your cows, there again, can't produce a bull, AI is not going to uh, make it happen. I think something, um, you know, I think something we all get fixated on is selling females. Everybody loves selling females, right? I mean, it, it, there's no secret. I think what happens, what I've heard in the past and, and just recently is people don't like selling bulls because they say it's hard to sell bulls. I, I guess it is, it can be, but if you've got the right kind of bulls that your customers want and a good bull, they're really probably not that hard to sell to anybody you're right a good a good one's easy to sell it's the other ones that you can't sell and and you're you said something right there most people don't understand who their customer is and they're trying to produce bulls that their customers don't want to buy and that doesn't work i mean if you're in the if you're selling cars and everybody wants to drive a pink car but you don't like pink, so you got brown ones on your car lot. Well, how many you think you're gonna sell? Zero. <laughs> the bull, the bull deals the same way. If you, if your, if you, if your customer tells you he wants this kind of bull, but you're producing something totally different, and you're gonna try to convince him to buy it, it that's not how that deal works. A commercial cow guy doesn't play those games. Well, that that's what we found out. Those short thick neck cows they just they just don't make those great herd sires so we we try not to have any of those cows in our herd we we had a lot rather have the the feminine long fronted long necked cattle deep bodied um, that are structurally correct that that's very important on making your herd sire is that the cow is structurally correct because they have to be able to travel. Uh, that That's something that's basic in this deal. I think, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where you get the real nice, meaty, bully-fronted bulls is from the sire selection when you're when you're mating the two. Uh, so you want, in, in my thoughts is you would want very feminine cow, like we're talking about, but then you want to put something real powerful on the other side of that in that bull 
to make that. Would that would you agree with that? Yes, you want you want the bulls to look like males. I mean, you know, you want them to be stout, um, like a boy would be, and you want the females to look like girls. You want them to be pretty and um, feminine, and and you want the bulls to be masculine, uh, a lot of muscle, a lot of top, uh, a lot of bone. Um, we have found out that the heads are very important on those bulls also. And I guess that's really more into the another topic we're going to talk about um, and some of your questions. But the heads on these bulls, in our opinion, is very important. Big-headed bulls a lot of times cause calving problems. Um, they take the look away from your cattle. The commercial cowmen, they like pretty bulls. And they don't want those big, ugly heads on their bulls either. And they really have an idea that those big heads cause calving problems. So I've we heard, try. I've heard that a lot uh, from the extension standpoint of talking to breeders and commercial cowmen, they say, oh, that cow bull there, he's got a big head. You're going to have problems, you know. And I don't have any research to back that up or nothing like that, but I just hear that a lot like when you mention that. Well, and the, and the thing that we do that maybe a whole bunch of other people do it too, I, we're not going to use a bull that's not out of a proven cow. I mean, I that cow's got a that cow's got to look the part too. I mean, I mean, you know, here, here at Emma's Ranch, we just stack cow families. I mean, we know, we know what cow, we know our cow families and they all produce bulls. And so we just, you know, breed their sons back and forth amongst the cow families. We just, we just try to stack the good ones on the good ones and then cull the ones that don't turn out good and then keep stacking the good ones on the good ones to try to have a lot more consistency in our program, which most of most of our cattle, probably all of them today, I mean, we line breed extensively to try to get consistency in these cattle to where when these bulls go out to your place, they get a consistent calf crop. I mean, that that's all the guys look for that that buy the Herf, Herford bulls and the and stuff like that. Harford's bulls been line bred 400 years. Mm -hmm. That gives them a consistent looking calf crop. It's funny. And, and so that's what we try to try to stack those good ones on those good ones. And then when the bulls go out, I feel real confident in what they're going to do. And they're going to sure produce replacement females because, you know, the cows are out of are good. It's uh it's funny you kind of bring that up. I actually had a conversation today with a breeder. We was talking about the breed and some things we might try to I think we need to all work together for as a breed whole is more consistency in our cattle because we're talking about commercial guys wanting to buy bulls. Well when they sell their calves, they all need to look like peas in a pod and to get that top premium or sell them in groups and you know, certain types of beef master bulls won't do that and and like you're saying that's what you're striving for and it goes back to the first thing y'all mentioned was 
you're creating bulls that your customer is wanting for their end product. So, I mean, there's a lot of sense tying that together. Mr. Steve, when we talked before the show, you know, we talked about how, and, and even in the first time we talked in uh, last year's episode, how you, you both started with just, you found one cow and you flushed her and put eggs in just till you got, you know, enough cows that you could do something different. Do we make this too hard on ourselves sometimes? Yes. People make it way too hard. Today is is back when we started, it was really hard. Cause like I say, you could take a bull and a cow and mate them and the calf didn't look like neither one of them. Well, that's not the case today. We have a lot of uh, genetics that are a lot more concentrated and a lot more consistent today that you can just go out and, and, and get started and, and you can buy you one or two females or the right females and get you a small set of commercial cows and flush those cows and put the eggs in and you're, you're at the top of the game right then. A lot of these people want to, they want to talk about, well, I've got 200 acres of land and I can run 50 cows. Well, see my, if you're in a purebred business, you need to, you need to run good ones. And if that's five good ones versus 50 average ones, I mean, that's where the, you can always sell a good one. And they just, they spend a whole lot of money on average purebred cows that as she was talking about earlier, uh, some cows you can AI are to every bull in this breed. And the chances of getting a bull, a good bull calf is probably 1% maybe. And then there's other cows in this breed that you could AI them to every bull in this breed and every bull calf she has a good one. And that's the, that's the kind of cows, you know, what we were looking for was the cows that whatever bull you mated them to, they had good calves, good bull calves. I mean, you've got to sell the bulls. You know, you got to sell yeah. them just like you well, can the heifers, but you got to, you might as well, if you're going to have to have them anyways, like you said, you might as well have some good ones and sell them for, you know. Yeah, because if you got to carry your pure, the reason you're in the purebred business is produce bulls to upgrade the commercial cow herd. I mean, if the Charlotte breed couldn't sell bulls, they wouldn't have a breed. If the Herefords couldn't sell bulls, they wouldn't have a breed. And and all your major breeders within any breed, they're known for the bulls they produce. If you think about it, all your successful beef master breeders, they're known for the bulls they produce. And and that's the way it is, and that's just kind of the way the cow deal works. And if you're not, if you're not in the if you're in the purebred business, you need to be trying to produce the best bulls you can to sell all your neighbors. And uh, and I think most of our members just aren't interested in trying to produce a good bull. I mean, I've heard people tell me, you know, in the past that they'll just steer every single bull calf they have and take a sale barn. I just don't see where there's any benefit to that. You know, I want to raise good enough bulls where I don't have to do that. Now, obviously, I mean, I don't care if she's the best, if it's the best mate in the world, you're going to get something that's subpar every once in a while. It's just, sure. it's just the way life is. But I mean, I want to make, I don't care if it's a bull or a heifer, in my opinion, I want to make the best thing I can make and try and, you know, and especially for my customers. Exactly. That's that's what we want to do. 
do you feel like if your goal is to produce good bulls like that, or you you think the females kind of come along with that as well, or? Oh yeah, I don't ever worry about females. <laughs> They'll be good. Yeah. When you got when you got those kind of cows, those feminine right kind of cows. I mean, you don't ever worry about that because because we're a maternal breed. We're a maternal breed. So we, there's no problem making the females. It's just a problem making the bulls. That's right. So when can you tell? that a bull calf is going to have really good potential to make a herd sire for someone. Would that be before, during, after winning? In your opinion, what, what are you looking at there? Well, the special bulls, I'm going to know them probably in the first two weeks because those special bulls, they come here that way. Now, the other ones, it can be, I mean, bulls grow different than develop different than females as a whole. So some, some, some of your bulls, you're not going to notice them until they're five months old or six months old, or sometimes even after weaning or something like that. Uh, but then, but the special ones, the good ones, I mean, I, I can tell you within they two weeks old, if they, if they've got the structure and the look and the build and I mean, they, they just have it. They just have it. And, uh, but you have, you have to trust your genetics uh, because we do, you know, the biggest part of our program is an embryo program. So we use a lot of calf raisers. So there again, you've got calf raisers that their cows don't milk that great or, you know, da, da, da. So we try to, in that situation, we try to get those calves weaned at five months and get them home so we can get them, you know, keep them headed the right direction. Because usually, usually the cow can, can take care of them pretty good for at least the first four months, most time, unless they're just really bad milkers. And uh, but then you know you can get your hands on them and and keep the nutrition going and and trust your genetics and and they'll be they'll be fine won't be won't be any problems. So in that in those scenarios there there might be some times it's a later uh, seeing the potential in that bull, but but most time. I'm going to know pretty quick. But you have to realize, too, that, that bulls go through that yearling stage, um, most of them. We've had a few bulls over the years that didn't have that yearling stage. He stayed true his entire life. But the majority of them are going to go through that yearling stage, and, and you're going to go out there one day and think, my goodness, what did I see in that cat? He's awful. And then you go back a month later and look, and he's well. What he looks, he looks better today. I, I think I'm. I was right, and and that'll go back and forth for four to six months. You think one day he's awful, and the next day, oh, he's back. He's good. <laughs> but if he was good in the beginning, he'll come back. I I agree with that. I've seen like the calves that we've had. If, like Steve says, you see them out there strutting it two or three weeks old you're like man looky there you know they've already got that bull look and and flashy and you know looking right and sometimes they'll go through that stage but it always seems like by the time they'll always come back out of it you know yeah it's funny. they will if they're good it's funny jerry and i talked about this just the other day what i don't know i don't know what got us talking about it we had some yearlings that left here for feed test and uh i said man i said this 
you know, you just have those days you go out there and you go, man, I just don't know about that. He said, every time I go, it's either, <laughs> man, he looks all right. Or the next day he may not look very good. And then the next day I think he looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That, that's frustrating. Absolutely is. And I've noticed <laughs> I've got some that turn out really well, but sometimes they're later bloomers uh, than, you know, than those ones that you can tell at two weeks old. Seems like it takes them. I don't know if it's just because we've got some different genetics that when we first started, we we're, you know, trying different stuff and seeing what worked for us. And, and we're headed a direction now, but it's just funny because some of them, like y'all said, you can tell it two weeks old and sometimes some of them, it does even raise them at home takes a few months to really, to really get it going. It seems like, but then once they get going, they don't stop. That's right. Well, you know, listen to the commercial guys at our bull sales every year. Uh, that's, that's what I try to do is just be down there in the bulls and, and in the aisle and just listen to those guys talk and what they want. And I mean, the number one thing those guys want is cavities and birth weight. That's, that's number one. They want to try to have a live calf because they tell me a live calf brings more money than a dead one. That's, and that's not, right. And not losing the cow. <laughs> and, and that's that's the thing. That's the main thing those guys are looking for. And they want uh, the next thing they want is rib out per hundred weight. They want to know what percent muscle that bull's got in him. And uh, they want a moderate frame. They want them athletic. I mean, that's that's just what those guys want. And they like they like them to have smaller heads from that reason we talked about earlier now whether they're saying truth to it or not that's you know what a lot of those guys bank on and uh, so we try to you know we just try to keep making those kind of bulls but i i know for a fact a bull that weighs 1800 pounds out there breeding cows versus a bull that weighs 2200 pounds out there breeding cows that 1800 pound bull will breed more cows for more years than that 2,200 pound bull ever thought about. And so that means that's more pounds of beef on the ground and more daughters you can keep out of those bulls. And the longer he lasts out there, the more happy that guy's gonna be. So that's that's a challenge for us, is trying to keep our cattle uh, moderate enough and athletic enough. Because we have a lot of big cattle in our breed you know, cattle, in my opinion, that are, you know, way too big. In fact, yeah, that's definitely a, something I've heard in the, you know, in the past and even still now that those, our beef master cattle are too big. And there's, like you said, there's, there's a lot of big ones out there. Well, there's, there's something else on this, the birth weight deal that we found over the years. Um, the cow, the gestation period of the cow, um, the longer she cooks that calf, the bigger he's going to be. Um, and you know, the calving, they can calve 10 days early or they can calve 10 to 15 days late. And if they're one of those later calving cows, the birth weight on that calf is going up pretty fast in, in that time frame. Um, so if you can figure out what cows are cooking them longer, 
um, you'll, you'll know that those are the ones that are going to have your heavier birth weight calves. Because I, I can tell you on, on our lower, which all our bulls, we try to have low birth weight, but I really, our lower birth weight bulls like Johnny Cash and like that Elvis bull, now their calves always come early. You just, I mean, in a flush or, or anything, they just come, they come early and they're small. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we've had other cows over the years that their calves will be the last one in a flush every time. No matter who they're bred to. No matter who they're bred to, they're going to have the latest, you know, latest calf, longest gestation calf in the flush. And, and it'll be a bigger birth weight calf just because, you know, you, she cook it 10 days longer than the other cow. It's just going to be bigger. Yeah. They, they, some of the research shows too, that that last uh, few weeks is the most pounds gained on that calf too. So yes. like, yes. like y'all are saying, you know, 10 to 15 days later, it could mean several pounds, you know, yes. 10 pounds probably. Yeah. yeah. Several pounds. It was fun. It's kind of funny. You just bring that up too. Me and dad was talking about a cow that, uh, we noticed on our, with a new uh, registration or the digital beef, we noticed one of our cows had real short uh, calving interval, like 326 or something like that. And she actually calved the other day and we kept looking. It's like, she backs up. But I think I kind of keep trying to keep records of when they breed and stuff like that. We've always noticed she calves early, kind of like what you're saying. But the calving birth weight's usually small too. So right. that's, that's interesting brought up tonight yeah just you know just trying to to watch all these things uh i mean i i've just been blessed by the lord to to be able to do cattle and horses i mean that's just something i've always been good with and and good at and and uh, just trying to pay attention to things like that to try to get better at what we're doing because nature will tell us a whole bunch of stuff if we just if we'll just look and listen. Well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna look at them. We're gonna look at them while they're on the cow, you know, to make sure, uh, you know, the birth weight, uh, all that's right. But make sure they got the muscle and and they're structurally correct and and all that. And so we'll make a decision on some of them while they're still on the cow. Because if they don't have any, if they don't have any butt in them, then they're not going to have any. And then, uh, you know, we'll we'll make steers out of them then. And then after weaning, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll wait, oh, probably, you know, two or three months after weaning and let them get all straightened out and get to eating good. And then we'll start going back through them again uh, and making sure they're built right and, and put together right and, and growing right. It, as long as those calves are gaining close to that two pounds a day from weaning the yearling, they're going they're going plenty fast for me. And because you can get if you try to develop these bulls fast and put a lot of weight on them when they're young, you're just gonna hurt their legs and their joints and their for and their fertility for sure. Because if you take if you take calves and you just you wean them, you get them over weaning, and you kick them out in the pasture and just leave them alone, and just let them make it for 
to their yearling. And when you look at them at a yearling, two of the biggest things that they'll have on them is horns and testicles. Because that's that's how <laughs> that's how they develop. Yeah. But when we put when we put them in the feedlot situation and try to push these bulls so hard when they're little, you're gonna you're gonna cut down on the scroll size on those bulls because you're gonna put too much fat in that area, and you're gonna hurt the you're not they're not they won't be getting as much protein basically uh, out of the feed is what they were getting before, and I know that's kind of hard to relate to how that works, but so there's a happy medium in there to, to develop these bulls and keep them structurally sound, their bones hard and, and their, and their testicles growing and their fertility good. And there's a lot of bulls that get, you know, burned up early. People yeah. It kind just, of goes back to the longevity you was talking about too. You know, that helps put dollars back in that customer's pocket, you know? Right. And, and, you know, when we're pushing performance so hard, um, a lot of people are packing the corn in on these bulls. Well, that blows their feed out. Um, American cattle just can't take that hot feed like your other kind of cattle can. Um, it'll ruin their fertility. It'll get their weight up and it'll get their numbers higher. But if they can't breed and if they can't walk, I don't think it matters how big their ribeye is or how great an IMF they have. Well, um, and, they'll, and they'll probably melt. I mean, as soon as you take them and put them in a pasture setting, right? Yes, they will. And then, you know, you're going to have nothing. They're not going to be able to go cover your cows. And that's, that's why we develop these bulls on silage, because most of our bulls are going to be on cows before dark that day. If they if those guys are within 150 miles of our bull sale, those bulls are going to be on cows that day. And they better be ready to, to go to it. And they better not be laying on the shade tree in a week, you know, dying out there. They better be breeding cows. And that's another reason we sell our bulls as full two-year-olds or, you know, some of them's going to be a little past two-year-olds because most of those guys tell me you have to be a special cow guy to handle the 18-month-old bulls. And normally you got to buy two of them in place of a, say, 26-month-old bull because you either got to put one of them out for 30 days or you're still feeding the other one, then bring him back in and swap them out to try to keep those bulls growing. And that, you know, they hadn't shedded teeth yet and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and a lot of cow guys know how to handle that, but a whole bunch of them, especially down in our country, that's not how it happens. When they buy a bull, he's going out there to breed cows where he's 12 months old or three years old. And he's going to eat the same thing those cows are eating, where he's 12 months old or three years old. So you better have him ready to go because, you know, we don't want, we want our customers satisfied and we're not raising bulls and selling them to take them back. That's not our goal. 
we want when they're sold, we want them to stay sold. We want them to go out there and work. Sure, there's going to be problems here and there. Bulls are guaranteed, and and you you know we'll have to we'll have to make a good a bull good every once in a while. But in the scheme of things, that's not very often. But I think if we were trying to sell, you know, eighteen month old bulls, I might be having to make a bunch of them good. Because if you don't take good enough care of those bulls, they're not going to survive. Well, yeah, that's your living. Bulls have been run, you know, turned out too early. And, and like I say, a lot of cow guys know how to do that. I mean, some of those uh, bigger commercial guys tell me if they're buying like the young Angus bulls and the, and the you know, because they sell those younger, they, they'll have to have two sets of them. And they'll keep one set in feeding them. And then they'll turn the other set out for 30 days and then swap them. But most of the commercial guys down our country, that's not how they operate. When they turn them out, they turn them out for however long they're going to breed them. And, and a lot of them, they're turning them out for good. They ain't coming back in till they get ready to, till they're done with them. Yeah, till they take them how many years that is. <laughs> Hopefully it's a lot of you, so, but I mean, you know, like, and, and something else we talked about before the episode started was you made the comment, this is y'all's living. I mean, you, yeah. you have to do everything you can. You, you need repeat customers, new customers. So you're going to make sure those bulls are hardy and ready to go because that's how you make your living. You, you ranch for a living. That's and, right. And the thing for us is, is trying to have repeat customers. I mean, that's the whole, the only reason we've been in the beef master business this many years is repeat business. And uh, we've had, we've got bull buyers that's been to every bull sale we've had and bought bulls every year. So that's, that's what we're striving for us to get, keep getting the, the repeat customers that the bulls are going out there and doing what they're supposed to do. Because well, if they're not, they won't be coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of that rolls us into one of our final subjects, speaking of customers and, and bulls and selling y'all sales coming up in March. Um, how about you tell us when, where, uh, what to expect that kind of thing. Okay. Our sale day is March 23rd. It's in Grosbeck, Texas at the Grosbeck livestock auction barn. We'll have approximately 75 head of bulls there, blacks and reds, um, probably 45-ish black bulls in the group. Uh, we'll have pole bulls and scurred bulls. We'll have a few homozygous black bulls. I know we have one homozygous polled bull. We don't get that very often, so uh, I know when we have one. <laughs> so um i know polled is kind of a big thing right now so we're trying to have some pole bulls for people um the bulls will be brought in to gross back on tuesday and they have small traps there that we turn the bulls out in to rest them and um feed them hay and stuff and then on thursday People are welcome to come look at them in the traps and walk through them and, and watch them walk out there, see how they move, 
then on Friday, we'll pin the bulls in this, the sale barn pins, and we'll pin them two to three to a pin. And you can come look at them in the pins on Friday and Saturday morning. And then we'll sell them on video there in the auction barn Saturday at one o'clock. Uh, we do have a complimentary lunch on Saturday morning at 11. Be the best chicken fried steak you've ever had. Um, at sounds Billy good. B at the auction barn. That's a really great cafe in Grosbeck. Um, we'll video all the bulls. Our video day is February 26th. So we'll be getting the video done then. And we'll have those videos up as soon as Wade gets it all put together for us. What else can you think of, honey? You've covered it pretty good. I mean, I, personally, I would like people to ask me questions about the bulls. I mean, I know my bulls better than anybody. And I know what they will and won't do. And if a person's got something he's trying to do with a bull, I think that's where so many of our breeder members mess up. They 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 go buy a bull that won't do what they want them to do instead of buying. They, if they know, the advice I would give somebody, you need to know your direction you're going and what you want that, what that bull needs to do for you. And then you need to go get that kind of bull. And just like with me, if you come talk to me, I may not have the bull that does what you want. So, and I'm going to tell you that, you know, if you come to me and say, I need a bull that's going to do this, this, and this, I'm saying, hey, that's not what my bulls do. But you need to go to the, to where you can get a bull to do what you're trying to do with your herd. And I think too many people just, just don't do that. They just like start it. breeding this bull, that bull, and they just get a hodgepodge of stuff. Throwing darts to see if it sticks. <laughs> That's yeah. a good scenario. With your eyes closed. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> won't, they, won't have a, they won't have a program or a plan of action. Yeah. Well, that kind of, that might be answering our last question. We just wanting to, and you may compound on that if you want to. Or, I think, I think we lost Jared. Yeah, we lost him. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jared. He was just, he was just, he he was just back on. Yeah. He was just saying, um, that may have answered the last question, uh, that, that we had there, but is there anything you would add as to one piece of advice as someone, maybe a new breeder looking for their first herd sire or a herd sire that, you know, that is really going to change their, um, their herd for the better. Well, I think they just, they need to know what they're trying to do. I, I think that's so important because in the Beefmaster breed, there's multiple kinds of bulls out there. And there's multiple ways to breed these cattle. Yes. And you need to decide what direction you want to go in. What is your plan? What, how do you want to sell your animals? You know, what's your goal? Where do you want to market them? How do you want to market them? And get that developed first and then get that bull that will help 
put you in that direction. And I hate to brag on my husband, but I will. He, he is like a cow whisperer. And he has been blessed by God with his abilities. And, and he wants every one of our customers to be happy with what they buy from us or what they get, period. We want them happy. And he will give you the best knowledge that he has to try to help you get what you need and what you want. He's not just going to sell you, oh, look at that pretty black bull in the corner. I think he'll work for you. He, he, that's not how he operates. So just ask him. You may be there for a little bit, but <laughs> he'll sure tell you what he thinks. Yes, yes, I, that's okay. I mean, I think we need to all take that advice. No matter how long we've been in the breed, always ask questions because you, you never stop learning. I mean, I, I know I don't. And I think... I always ask other, we always ask other people's advice, but I think one important thing is to get in a program, get in someone's program and that you, that you can trust and learn from and do that and then make it your own as you go. But I think that's, there's such a wealth of knowledge in this breed and, and you both are, are some of them and, um, you know, whether they get in your program or, or somebody else's that they know, I think that's a very important part of it. Yes. And the, and they've got to be able to sell cattle in their area. I mean, the, they may not think that, but you can't, you can't be raising cattle in Kentucky and hauling them to Texas to sell them. You know, if, if you're raising cattle that the Mexicans want to buy, well, you can sell them to the Mexicans. But they're they're in South Texas and, and Mexico. They're not in Kentucky and Virginia. So they need to go to the commercial guys and the cattlemen in their area and find out what kind of bulls they'll buy from them. And then they need to make them. It's funny you say that because I've and actually they, started doing that around our area, talking to some of the cattlemen that just have commercial herds. They may not even have purebred. Some of them have some purebred Angus that they've got a Charlet or something on. And I've just started asking them, Hey, what can I do to earn your business? Even if I have to sell my bull cheaper the first time, just to get them using it. I'm sure it's like this everywhere, but in North Carolina, Western North Carolina, a lot of these guys are copycats. If some, if, if a guy buys something, a bull, a tractor, anything, and they like it, those other guys are going to start buying. And that's right. In North Carolina, heck, I want to buy them from me if they're going to be buying from anybody. <laughs> so, you know, I can't, like you said, I can't, every once in a while, maybe a, maybe one of my bulls will go to Mexico, but I can't make that my strategy because it's just so far. Locally, I agree with you, locally, really have to have somebody um, that that's going to help buy your bulls. And even if they like your bulls, they're even going to tell them to their buddies. That's right. That's right. We have I mean, Jared we've back. even loaned people bulls. Just, you know, trying to get some calves on the ground. Yes. Just to see, make sure they like it and it works for them. And that probably means more to them than anything. Right. Well, I guarantee you that, you know, the, the American cow herd is mainly Angus based. 
And if a lot of those Angus guys would try one of our good bulls, they'd be blown away. And they would they would still get their black calves. They would still great choice. They'd just be a whole lot more pounds. And boy, they could keep some of those females and just be way ahead. They'd ring the bell at the cell barn. Yeah, but yes, for sure. It's just hard hard getting them to getting those commercial guys to come over sometimes. But well, I guess we just work I, at it and keep a keep trying, and eventually maybe we'll get some of. That's right. Well, but if more of our breeders would talk to their you know customer base or their customer area and find out what they can make to sell and and try to do that, the 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 breeders will be a lot happier that they're selling their cattle for a profit and their customers are happy and it'll help the beef master breed a ton. Cause we want everybody talking beef master, talking good about beef master, not, not bad about beef master. Yeah. That word of mouth travels fast. Yeah. Cause if they got, if they have a bad experience, they're going to tell 25 people. If they have a good experience, they might tell five. Yeah. So, you better have a lot of good experiences going on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jared, I hate you uh, got cut off there. I think you had some technical difficulties, but. Uh, it, it happens. <laughs> glad you're back, but we're really out of time tonight. Mr. Steve, Miss Cindy, Cindy, it is greatly appreciated, that, again, that y'all took time out of y'all's evening to come on our show and talk to uh, just two guys that, that just enjoy doing this show and, uh, we again we appreciate your sponsorship and all your support. Well, yeah, thank, thank you much. guys so much. Yeah, we appreciate y'all. Just keep promoting Beef Masters like you're doing. We're <laughs> doing our a great best. job. We'll sure give it a shot. <laughs> but thank uh, y'all so much. Thank y'all and everybody have a uh great night and we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to the Beefmaster Banner Podcast. Uh, please know that we are on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and we are on YouTube. Just search Beefmaster Banner. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. We love hearing from you, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.